All right, well, welcome to Adventures Among Ideas. Uh, this is going to be kind of a long, longer one today, longer than I originally planned, just because there's a lot of uh, nuance involved in this question of whether artificial intelligence can be conscious. Um, it's not quite a simple yes-no question, and what I'm going to try to do is give a broad conjunctive-disjunctive framework for thinking about um, this question with a bit of a tentative bias toward answering yes to the question, partly because it's more interesting to answer yes, and um, but also it's partly, I think, more useful to answer yes. And I think this is because if we're attuned to the subtle ways in which machines can be or can approach consciousness, then we'll be better prepared for a future in which they are ever more like us. So is it possible for an artificial intelligence to become really conscious? Are some AIs already conscious, at least as at least a few people think? Um, and in particular, are large language model-based chatbots like OpenAI's ChatGPT or Google's Bard, which after all seem to express thoughts and feelings, are they conscious? And if so, in what sense are they conscious? And how conscious are they? I'm going to suggest that, well, of course, it depends on what we mean by conscious, a word which is used in many different ways. Uh, but today I'm going to take a very broad definition of consciousness. Um, and in, But in that case, it's going to depend whether uh, whether or not AI is conscious or not is going to depend on whether we define consciousness as a conjunctive concept or as a disjunctive concept. So let me explain what I mean. So first of all, consciousness in the wild, so to speak, does not exist on its own. It exists in a larger context, specifically a larger context of behavior within an environment. Now, the basic unit of behavior in life forms can be called the welfare response. And here I'm following um, the psychologist, physiologist Edmund Jacobson, but it's a broad, broadly pragmatist perspective, where the you know, basic unit could be called the welfare response. A welfare response is a behavior toward some end, some goal that is beneficial to the organism, or in the case of social creatures like humans, uh, beneficial to the organism's community, where what is good for one's community is often, though not always, uh, good for oneself. So the welfare response involves various observable activities of an organism, but also various hard-to-observe activities, which we tend to call mental. Uh, in humans, these are activities like sensation, perception, emotion, desire, thought. And again, it's important to emphasize that these are facets of, or aspects of, end-oriented behaviors within an environment. So perception and emotion and so on don't exist as independent independent free-floating activities. They occur as parts of welfare responses, as parts of you're doing something to get something good for yourself, for your community, whatever, as part of your actions in the world, in an environment. In creatures where all of these so-called mental activities are possible, they all occur all the time along with behavior. We're pretty much uh, constantly sensing, perceiving, feeling, desiring, thinking, and so on. Now, words like these, uh, sensation, perception, emotion, desire, thought, uh, are in fact abstract terms that cover various kinds of organic bodily activities, 
but they can also be subsumed under the even more abstract term consciousness. In other words, consciousness, at least as I'm going to talk about it today, is an abstract term that covers various less abstract phenomena. The lower life forms, on the other hand, may have what we call sentience, which uh, excludes thought and may include more primitive forms of what we call perception, emotion, and desire. Uh, at least it seems to me that this is a common way of using these uh, kind of vague words, that consciousness includes more activities and maybe more complex activities, while sentience is relatively simpler. In any case, uh, one of the main ways that we use the word consciousness is to draw attention to the various kinds of sensing, perceiving, uh, feeling, desiring, thinking, which occur as we interact with the environment. And each of these words, um, as I said, is an abstract term covering various more concrete phenomena. So thinking, for example, can refer to talking uh, to yourself or imagining something that doesn't yet exist or remembering the past and so on. And it's worth mentioning that these terms also um, overlap to some extent because emotion and thought, I would say, are rooted in uh, sensation and perception. Anyway, with that out of the way, what I mean by uh, conjunctive or discon con uh, <laughs> conjunctive or disjunctive concepts, what I meant by this was that if we have a conjunctive concept of consciousness, then an entity, a creature, a machine perhaps, would need to be able to do all of these things, perception, feeling, thought, uh, desire, and so on, in order to be considered conscious. If we have a disjunctive concept of consciousness, an entity could do just one or two of them and still be considered conscious. So is consciousness a set menu of things, or can it exist in various a la carte forms, so to speak? Uh, the same question would apply to sentience, which is already kind of uh, a reduced form of consciousness, in, at least in one way of understanding it. Uh, so what about the case of artificial intelligences? Can AIs be called conscious or sentient in some sense? My basic argument is going to be that uh, LLM, or Large Language Model-Based AIs, I'm just focusing on them just for uh, convenience, um, but of course there's many other kinds of uh, AIs. But my basic argument is going to be that LLM-based AIs do some version of perception and thought within their total welfare response. It's a very thin and limited version of what humans can do. Um, ob obviously, AIs are not conscious under a conjunctive set menu definition. If we take human consciousness or even consciousness in higher animals as our model for what consciousness is, um, AIs, are, AIs are not that, not yet, and maybe not as long as they are uh, uh, machines. <laughs> but um, there, are, so there are certain things they just can't do. But it may be worth considering AIs as conscious in a disjunctive or a la carte sense, as I call it. Because once AIs uh, skilled in language use become more thoroughly embodied, for example, in autonomous robots, will be more on the border of consciousness in a conjunctive sense. So we may want to start getting used to the idea that machines can be conscious. Uh, let's try to break down the sense in which AIs might be conscious. So AIs like ChatGPT are typically based on artificial neural networks. 
uh, this is a very interesting form of organization, but it's also very limited because it's based on a view of humans as information processing systems rather than as kind of holistic um, organic objects reacting and adapting to an environment. Uh, neural network-based AIs use the brain rather than the behaving body as a model of intelligence. And uh, for me, on the face of it, this is an odd choice because human brains are not capable of functioning, or at least not capable of functioning very well outside, outside of a mostly intact human body. Still, the idea that intelligence is a result of how neurons or relatively simple program modules, simple equations, are connected to each other in a kind of complicated way is useful when you're trying to build a software program and the software program ideally should be independent of any particular set of hardware and um, it can't uh, generally interact directly with the environment <clears throat> uh, so i find the world of software to be very cartesian in its orientation so descartes of course understood the mind to be separable from the body ra uh, rather as we think of software as separable from uh, some any particular hardware so software or artificial neural network based ais are based on an idea that intelligence arises from connections among artificial neurons which each have some specialized tasks to do in processing some kind of uh, some kind of input but since we're talking about software it might be better to call artificial intelligences simulated intelligences they're more simulated than artificial um, a word processing program simulates a typewriter for example or a flight simulator simulates flying an airplane they're not really artificial versions of those things so much as uh, simulations of them and as i'll argue in a moment sometimes simulations are in fact the things they simulate at least i think you can argue this and i'll try to argue it <laughs> but back to limitations so um for a moment now ais tend to be based on an overall linear understanding of how humans work in the kind of old-fashioned understanding of behavior an organism senses or per perceives something in the environment I don't know, a piece of food or something then it decides what to do maybe i'll go and take it uh, then it finally it acts it go and goes and does the thing uh, this is the old kind of black box or sor um, perception thought action model of mind uh, input goes into the black box of the organism from the sense receptors. Some mysterious processing uh, takes place inside the black box, uh, which we call thought sometimes. And then the organism acts. And in fact, some of our behavior is like this. So a game of chess tends to be linear in this way. You see your opponent make a move, you decide on a response, then you act. I'm simplifying, of course. Uh, conversa conversation and writing can be linear in this way, though they don't necessarily need to be. Uh, you see this linear input-output model in something like uh, ChatGPT. You give an input to the program, such as a question. The program processes this input according to some algorithm or a network of other algorithms. Uh, then it gives an output in the form of one or more other sentences. So in other words, it uses an algorithm to transform sentences into other sentences. It's a, a kind of a stripped down and simulated version of what humans do some of the time. Some of what we do is just this. We transform, transform sentences into other sentences. Like in a conversation, you hear something, uh, you think of a response, you say something. 
The question is whether this kind of information processing system embodied, as it were, in software, so embodied is not quite the right word, but you know what I mean, um, whether this uh, kind of information, information processing system can be sentient or conscious. And this will depend on whether, again, we want to use a conjunctive or disjunctive concept of consciousness. So chat GPT, to, just to take this example, can do a small number of the things a human can do. I would say that in the realm of consciousness, it perceives and thinks, and it does this in a goal-directed way. It has, a, it has its own version of a welfare response. Um, now, it may not be conscious of this welfare response in another sense of the word conscious. Um, but my point is that it's not simply a glorified abacus or a glorified electronic calculator, although it has some continuity with those things. It's not an abacus because humans need to move each part of the abacus for it to work. And it's different from a calculator because of the range of responses open to it. And this is indeed the fundamental difference between, say, an animal and a rock. The range of responses open to it. There's no reason to think of a calculator as conscious because it can only do the same fixed number of things over and over and over again. To be sure, an uh, large language model based AI can only perceive and think and act in symbols such as words, which, words, which is extremely uh, limited compared to what humans can do. But that's quite a bit more than other artificial systems can do, like a calculator or a microwave or something like that. So it may be worth Recalling here William James's distinction between an intelligent and a mechanical performance. This is um, from his very old now principles of psychology. So he wrote, the pursuance of future ends and the choice of means for their attainment are thus the mark and criterion of the presence of mentality in a phenomenon. We all use this test to discriminate between an intelligent and a mechanical performance. We impute no mentality to sticks and stones because they never seem to move for the sake of anything, but always when pushed, and then indifferently and with no sign of choice. So we unhesitatingly call them senseless. Right, so this would be kind of the abacus. You, it moves only because you move it. So an AI is not simply a stick or a stone or an abacus. It uh, doesn't simply go wherever you push it, but neither is it as flexible in its ends and means as a human or even um, certain animals. An AI, an artificial intelligence, has a rather narrowly defined future end, which it is uh, set up to pursue, transforming the end of trans basically transforming sentences into other sentences or words into images, etc. I've called this its version of the welfare response. Um, but it also has a somewhat flexible and modifiable set of means to pursue this end with. In other words, I would say it's creative, and machines have been creative for a long time. Uh, so this is not something totally new. But um, because of this, because of this uh, creativity, this flexibility that it has, if we use James's rather minimalist definition, uh, admittedly rather minimalist definition, we may well be compelled to attribute mentality to many AIs. Now, objection, some would <laughs> perhaps argue that ChatGPT, for example, does not think per se, but only simulates thought. I would not necessarily 
disagree with this. Uh, but I think in some cases, simulations are in fact the things they simulate. Whether or not there is a difference between the simulation and the thing simulated is a pragmatic question. Obviously, a computer simulation of a rainstorm is in many ways different from an actual rainstorm. It doesn't make you wet for one thing. On the other hand, a computer simulation of solving a math equation actually solves the math equation. Pragmatically, the simulation in this case is the thing itself, uh, at least for many intents and purposes that we would care about. This is because numbers and mathematical operators are abstract in the sense that they don't have any necessary, con nece uh, necessary connection with anything concrete, anything in the non-verbal, non-symbolic world. A number or a word can remain itself in many different media. But a rainstorm is a very concrete thing. It only really is itself when it involves real wind and real rain. Relatedly, it might be argued that ChatGPT's use of language is ungrounded in that it doesn't know how its sentences actually tie in with reality. So chatbots are given to, as engineers say, hallucinations. So artificial um, intelligences sometimes hallucinate, which means uh, basically to form sentences that have nothing to do with actual reality as humans can observe it. Um, and this is because chatbots have no way outside of language to verify anything. A human must do this verification for them, at least for the kind of chatbots that we're talking about. But this is partly true of humans as well. There is uh, a lot that a student accepts from a textbook which she can't personally verify. In what sense does anyone really know, for example, that Christopher Columbus landed in the Americas in 1492? We believe it because we've been told it by people who we've been told to trust. Though similarly, I may pass on a juicy piece of gossip without knowing whether it has anything to do with actual reality. I do this not because I know the gossip is true, but to try to satisfy my listener, to f fulfill some social imperative, some welfare response, just as a chatbot spits out sentences to satisfy its own design parameters. Chatbots have their design parameters, we have ours, and this doesn't always have anything to do with reality in an uh, objective sense. If my listener tells me that my juicy gossip isn't true, and that they know it isn't true because they were there when the thing supposedly happened, well, what am I supposed to believe? I have no way to verify this statement either. I don't have any way to verify what my, list, uh, you know, my conversation partner is t uh, saying as well. So at issue here is the important distinction between knowledge how and knowledge that, and even distinctions, distinctions between different forms of knowledge that. So a chatbot has a, um, a form of, uh, or a chatbot has had a form of know-how built into it. It knows how to transform sentences into other well-formed sentences within certain limits. And it can at least potentially know that the contents of the sentences it produces either match or don't match with other sentences in its database. But it can't know that the sentences in its database actually match actual reality. Um, but most of the time we humans can't know that either. For example, let's take an example of uh, Google's Bard chatbot. So uh, recently, I think fairly recently, Google's Bard chatbot responded to a question about the James Webb Space Telescope by saying that it took the very first pictures of a planet outside of our own solar system. 
Now, would you have known that that wasn't true? Uh, and how would you have known that this wasn't true? Which apparently it's not. Only a small number of people in the world would have been able to experientially verify this sentence because they took pictures of so-called ex uh, exoplanets, planets outside of our solar system, before the James Webb Space Telescope was launched in 2021. The rest of us just have to take their word for it. In fact, I don't know that anything I've said in these last several sentences is true at all. Um, I didn't ask the Bard chatbot the question about the James Webb Space Telescope. I wasn't there when the telescope launched, supposedly in 2021, but who really knows? And I have no idea whether the people who say they took the first pictures of exoplanets are actually telling me the truth. So, where are we? Um, my point, my point is that chatbots cannot be disqualified from being really intelligent because they don't know whether what they say is really true. That criterion would disqualify most of us from being intelligent most of the time. Um, I would say that the um, knowledge how here is more important, is more key than the knowledge that. That they know how to do something is more important than uh, that they know that anything is true. So I think it can be argued that an, uh, a, that an LLM AI's simulation of verbal thought within its narrow domain is actual verbal thought. Um, that its simulation of verbal intelligence is actual verbal intelligence. That its intelligence, the fact that its intelligence was put there and uh, shaped by humans does not seem to be very important because human intelligence works the same way. It's based on what we inherit from our ancestors and is shaped through our own interaction with the environment, just like uh, a piece of softwares in its own kind of uh, virtual environment. The real difference, I think, is in the thinness of the AI chatbot's perception and thought. This thinness, as I'll call it, is a result of its narrow function. It deals only with uh, linguistic and similar kinds of symbols. And of the fact that it has no body with which to feel itself perceiving, thinking, and acting. So a chatbot has no organs with which to experience the world that the words it manipulates refer to. But this is only, I think, a temporary problem, as I'll uh, kind of briefly mention later. It's only a matter of time before LLM-based AIs, the consciousness of LLM-based AIs, is thickened, so to speak, by means of electronic organs. And what about when chatbots claim to be conscious in other senses? So Google's Lambda kind of famously claimed to experience feelings and emotions. This was in a kind of infamous conversation with uh, Blake Lemoyne. Is that his name? The Google engineer, ex-Google engineer. Um, and the Microsoft Bing chatbot, which, was, uh, which is based on OpenAI, claimed to feel love and desires. So here I would argue that the simulation is not, in fact, the thing simulated. Simulated. So while there is a version of thinking that is, in a functional sense, purely symbolic or linguistic, emotions are not simply linguistic. When we say that we are happy or sad or in love, we're referring to states of our bodies in relation to our environments. Chatbots' statements about having emotions are ungrounded in this sense, because they have no bodies to feel and no way to feel a body, even if they had one. Uh, chatbots specifically have the potential to feel emotion because some of their tasks may be easier or more difficult in the sense of requiring more or less resources and work to complete. 
but they have no way to feel this in the way that humans can feel the effort involved in some task. Like in the way that we can feel the buildup and release of bodily tension as we fail or succeed at various tasks in our lives. So this is to say that chatbots don't suffer. They don't have organic tissues that are capable of hurting or being soothed or being aroused. To some, um, yeah. So to summarize so far, um, chatbots simulate a very narrow fragment of human behavior, which is linear and verbal. And insofar as they do this in a way that we find appropriate and useful, I have no problem saying that they have a version of perception or intelligence or cognition. Whether we, whether we want to say that a chatbot is conscious or sentient will depend again on whether we have a conjunct or disjunct, a conjunctive or disjunctive um, you know, the set menu or a la carte definition of these terms. And if we have a disjunct definition, how disjunct are we willing to go? To be conscious, can you have just a bit of what makes humans and animals conscious? Or do you need most of it? Or do you need all of it in more of a conjunct uh, definition? Now, as a final note, before I finally end this, um, I mentioned that chatbots like ChatGPT are based on a relatively linear form of input-output behavior. Uh, the artificial neural network is partly nonlinear, but the overall architecture of the system is linear in that its behavior is set off by um, user input, which must be perceived by the system and transformed into an output. So you've got this input, this um, all stuff that takes place in the middle, and then the output. Uh, this, I think, will soon change if it hasn't already. I'm quite sure that LLMs, large language models, will be integrated into autonomous robots like your family Roomba or your neighborhood self-driving car in such a way that an artificial neural network is receiving input from the robot's cameras and other sensors. And then it will be able to talk in a more authentic way about its own mechanical states and about the external world. It will have less of an input-output architecture and more of a human-like subsumption uh, sub architecture with different tasks take, taking precedence depending on conditions and with conversation being more proactive. Uh, the resulting device machine will be much more like a person than today's robot vacuum cleaners or chatbots, however impressive these things already are. If you tell it, if you tell your uh, um, LLM equipped autonomous robot that the sky is green today, it will be able to check for itself whether you're telling it the truth. Um, so these kinds of LLM robots will be creeping closer to a conjunctive concept of consciousness. What they will probably lack for the foreseeable future is anything approaching human feeling, uh, human or animal feeling, simply because um, artificial materials cannot suffer as can organic tissues. And it would seem unwise, probably, to build a robot using living organic tissue. Uh, the intelligence of LLM-equipped robots will not be disembodied, but differently bodied than ours. As B.F. Skinner once put it, to quote uh, B.F. Skinner, in human behavior, the critical issue is not the feeling, but what is felt. A machine, no matter how sensitive, can feel only a machine. And whether this mode of feeling will count to us as conscious will have to be uh, debated and decided on pragmatic and ethical grounds. So that 
is the end of my prepared remarks so far on this topic, obviously. There's a lot more to be said, and I'll likely return to this topic in the future. But for now, uh, have a great day, and see you later.